Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. You're welcome. welcome. Hi, babes. Hi, babes. How are you doing? I am good. I'm going to do a timestamp on this. It's Sunday, June 7th, just so we're all very well aware of where we are and what we're doing. (laughs) Um, I think before we get into the episode, we need to talk about uh, what is going on in the world. We appreciate that our podcast is all you know, super fun escapism and long may it continue to be. But I do think it would be pretty careless and just not cool to ignore uh, the murder of George Floyd by police and um, the Black Lives Matter movement and protests which are going on around the world, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. I want to start off by saying that this whole situation is obviously, well, the murders are obviously awful, but I am taking this as an opportunity to check my white privilege for sure. And I've had time this week, particularly as my work is so supportive. They've given us all time uh, and a whole day where we shouldn't work to educate ourselves and get involved and have conversations with people. That's awesome. Um, I think one thing I just wanted to bring up was the fact that in relation to the UK, you know, the UK is part of this. So one thing that I have done apart from donating money to various organizations, there is a uh, change.org petition that I have in my bio at All About Debenge. And the petition is to urge the UK to teach British children about the realities of British imperialism and colonialism. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I just, I basically echo everything you're saying completely. I, I'm, I feel kind of hopeful that this time around, you know, the death of someone at the hands of uh, police just for, you know, because of their race seems to be, you know, the outrage seems to be actually being felt not just in this country, in America, but like globally, it actually seems to be sticking. People seem to be actually taking note and caring and doing things on like a minor and a major scale to to change it, which makes me feel so happy. So I, I feel, you know, I'm a mixed race person from, you know, uh, my parents are for like an interracial marriage. Um, I grew up in a very white area, so I've always had a very strange and complicated relationship with race and my own race. Uh, so I just feel I don't want to. I don't feel like I can speak for everyone or speak for anyone, but just for me personally, I just it warms my heart to see people, whoever whoever they are, actually making a change, taking a stand, and genuinely educating themselves in a way where it doesn't feel, to me anyway, doesn't feel like a flash in the pan like social media thing, like it has maybe done in the past or it does with other causes. This feels like people genuinely are starting to shift the way they think and feel about things, which just makes me, it's, it makes me sad that it had to come from another person being murdered or more people being murdered, but at least change is happening, which makes me feel good. And I think on the podcast, as I said at the top, we are about fun and escapism and entertainment. Um, but along the way, we're, we're going to make mistakes. Um, and so absolutely, if, if we do, we're going to try our best, but if we do, do get in touch, let us know about them because we do want to address them. I mean, you know, we've got a whole section that's about feedback. Oh yeah. So do get in touch. Okay. So what else has been happening this week, Fraser? Um, for me, nothing huge is really happening for me in my own personal life. Uh, I had a lovely day yesterday. I've been obviously still just stuck in my apartment working and not seeing anyone. And I had a lovely day where I took myself to Griffith Park and I went on a hike and it's kind of just the first, I went by myself and I just got all the way to the top of Griffith, Griffith Park. And I was just looking over LA and, you know, I just got that like reaffirmed the fact that I have actually, that I do live here and I do love living here. And, um, it was just a very nice moment. And then I happened, I was standing right at the top looking over LA and then I realized, you know, when you're listening to music and you don't realize that a song's playing and then suddenly you tune into it and it was, it was, <laughs> it was the song Beat of My Heart by Hilary Duff. You know what? That doesn't sound familiar at all, but it, it it's like the perfect soundtrack of like 
I've, I'm in LA and I'm doing it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, it made me laugh. I laughed out loud alone to myself because I realized I was listening to it. And then I like trotted down the rest of the kind of hiking trail, really like feeling really pleased with myself. And then I cycled all the way home. And I think I got like a mild, some kind of mild sunstroke and exhaustion because I then came home and laid in my bed with all my blinds uh, closed in the dark and watched uh, Queer Eye, which was really annoying lovely what a what a day <laughs> it was lovely only things i can report on right now well two things my house is real well the you're welcome america studio is really really dirty i just i'm really sick of cleaning and i've kind of just given up so that's <laughs> going on and then secondly last night podcast husband jesse and i uh watched hackers have you ever seen hackers i don't think i have seen hackers you know it's like a weird blind spot in my love of all things 90s you know technology thriller movies <laughs> it was it's i mean it's wonderful the looks in it are i think it i was reading some articles afterwards i think it was partially involved in like creating like cyberpunk looks um <laughs> but it's amazing the cgi is a go-go i mean i just think we need to find one more movie and we can do like the net hackers and one other movie and it could be some sort of like 90s tech trilogy mm, okay i need to think on that or if anyone's got any suggestions for that that third film from the 90s tech uh, trilogy that would be amazing shall we do some feedback yes So I have a little bit of feedback, uh, just Billy, uh, the, the You're Welcome America celeb booker, uh, just <laughs> wanted us to know that Victoria Beckham's song IOU is still one of his most played songs on his iTunes. And he said, do you remember when she sung it on Parkinson, David cried? <laughs> and then he said, well, she was singing live. IOU. <laughs> and just for any, any American listeners, just in case there's any confusion, Parkinson was the name of a talk show. Um, with the, that was the host's name. Because I thought, actually, as I read it, I was like, that does sound a bit strange. Then I have just uh, a couple couple of other bits of feedback. So Lydia, who I spoke about in the last episode, and I talked about how she worked in Londis, mm -hmm. um, she just wanted to say, first of all, she said, how dare you out me for my potato dog obsession? And then she said, who doesn't want a sausage wrapped in a hash brown? And then she just said that she did wear a Londis tabard and spent the majority of her days flirting with Kirk the Mechanic, who worked uh, adjacent to the Londis. She said a few more other things, but I think I'm going to just leave it at that. <laughs> um, what, what a British soap opera she lived oh, in. Oh, she, she really did. I remember Kirk uh, the Mechanics. He was very sweet. <laughs> he got really drunk and cried on my shoulder at a house party at her house once, because he said that he loved <laughs> Oh my God, that was funny. Okay, we've got uh, Megan in Salt Lake City. She says that podcast husband Jesse is spot on. The Coke and Cherry Slurpee combo is where it's at. Mm. So we've got some support for that. Meanwhile, Alin in Montreal it was just really astounded that this was my first Slurpee when I went to 7-Eleven. Oh, really? I thought, I thought Alin and her sister Aaliyah, I know one of their things is like sometimes when they go home for the holidays... They might go to like the 7-Eleven or whatever the Canadian equivalent is and they'll get one and then they'll just put a little bit of alcohol in it mm. and they'll just have a day, you know, a little, a little slurpy, slippy day, you know? Oh, that sounds great. So um, Matthew2204 uh, just wants to kind of... <laughs> is he a robot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so a bot, a bot, an online bot. What's, what's the online bot got to say? He's got a few bits of feedback. Um, he said, the dance move that you hate is called the swim. Do you remember when we were talking about that? That was the dance move that you did, that mm. everyone does to Maybe by Emma Bunton. Um, and he says, oh. he's actually enlightened us here. 99 Cornets were named, named that back in the 1930s, way before de decimalization. So it wasn't, they were called 99s not because they cost 99p. I did not know that. He's not actually said why they were wait, called 99s wait. back in the day, but apparently they were. Yeah, and then a little bit of salty feedback from him where he's he's tried to give me the phonetic way to say the word investigative. See, look, listen, Matthew 2204, you've written out phonetically for me. I know what the word is. I just can't say it. Investigative. Nope, investigative. I, added, I added an extra one. Oh, okay. What about, what about you do this? Investigative. Investigative investigative oh. there we go oh my god there you go <laughs> I, love it. Oh. I, I don't i think if i saw it and had to say it quickly i wouldn't be able to investigative no i just did it again wow yeah. that's wild 
<laughs> Isn't that strange when you find something out about yourself that you just have never realized? Um, I have some devastating news from uh, New Girl in Tune. That's uh, Chloe. She just told me that... I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I think they pulled down the Marina Center in Great Yarmouth a few weeks ago. The Marina Center is where <laughs> I spent my childhood going in the, you know, the wave, there was the wave machine and there was also a slide at the Marina Center. And much like I think every child that ever played in a pool that had a wave machine, the big thing that you would do at the Marina Center is you would swim up to, they had like, there were these, like you'd go underwater to where like the bar, the metal bars were, where the kind of wave machine would push the water out and you would dare each other to yeah. stick your arm through it because everyone said there was a shark living behind the grate. <gasps> so one of the big things is you'd have to go up there, go down with your goggles on and you had to stick your arm right through because it was dark behind there as well. And everyone said there was a shark that lived in there. So I wonder if when they pulled it down, what did they do with the shark? I guess just released him into the ocean because well, it's right next to the beach. Yeah. Yeah, but if she could get back in touch and let us know about the shark, yeah. that'd be great. Chloe, if you could get um, back to Norfolk and let us know what happened to the shark, that would be great. Thank you. It's, that would be like another investigative part of the podcast for us, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. I'd love her to go and investigate. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually I've just looked at the Marina Center and a little bit of misinformation from Chloe because it's actually been torn down because it's been regenerated and it's being reopened in summer 2021 due to a 26 million pound investment. Excuse me. Oh, hang on. No, I, please ignore that last little bit. That's about the whole the pit into the whole town's economy. <laughs> Not a twenty-six million investment of the Marina Center. I was like, fucking hell, they will have like hundred sharks. That's amazing. <laughs> were, were, were you ever? Did you ever go to that pool? And did anyone ever poop in the pool? Oh yeah. And then everyone had to get like taken out the pool. Yeah, the, I distinctly yeah. remember. They, they had to clear out the pool because the wave machine was on when someone did a poo in the pool. So the poo was like violently coming at people. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's, that's great. I mean, I don't know if we're going to get any better in this podcast other than like a, you know, a shark and a, a poo in a wave pool. <laughs> And we are back. So obviously in every episode, we have a topic each. We have an American topic and a British topic, and we will discuss it and then try and think of the British or American equivalent. Ben is up first with the British topic. What do you got, babes? Well, my British topic today is Alexandra, Amelda, Cecilia, Ewan, Burke. <laughs> wow. What a name. What a name. Oh my God. I... I am so happy. I love Alexandra Burke. She has, I mean, we'll get into all of this, but I just want to say she has such a special place in my heart and reminds me of such a wonderful time in my life that I, I just couldn't be, I couldn't be happier. So Alexandra Burke, no relation to Michael Burke. <laughs> she, you know, she's her own thing. Michael Burke. She stormed into the world in 1988. That's when she was born. Um, but we know her from The X Factor. Okay, so she is a pop star, initially pop star, but now just full round entertainer yeah. in the UK. And one thing we should say about her is actually her mum, don't know if you know this, um, but her mum was a singer in the band Soul to Soul. Yeah, no, I did. I did know that. And I'll tell you how I know that, because before she was on X Factor, she was on a Jane McDonald fronted talent show okay i'm gonna stop you right there i'm gonna stop you right there <laughs> she was on the jane mcdonald show star for a night and she was the yeah. youngest person in the competition she was the runner-up after she was beaten for the winner's title by joss stone <laughs> yes and i just i distinctly remember that's how i learned that i think was watching it like a throwback thing about that and they were talking about how she her mum was in a uh, soul to soul <laughs> joss stone lord okay oh. So even before she was on the X Factor, Alexandra Burke, you know, had had something to do with Soul to Soul, Joss Stone, and uh, a Jane McDonald Saturday Night TV show. I mean, she was born for for superstardom. Ah, oh, absolutely, and born like literally, just going straight into our hearts with all of those things combined. Just perfect for us. <laughs> so in two thousand five, she auditioned for X Factor, and she got in. And she actually got it. She got into the top twenty one, but then. Um, she got booted out by Louis Walsh, okay? But then she came back in 2008 and she auditioned again. And uh, at this point she was 19. So still really, really young. 
Yeah. And it was that classic kind of like redemption moment of like, you know, you've gone away and you've, you've grown and, uh, you know, now's your time. It was that kind of thing. I will say, well, actually a question for you in her edition in 2008, Ooh. what did she sing? No, do you know, as even like, as you were just talking, then my, my wheels were spinning in my brain and I cannot remember for the life of me what she auditioned with. She sang Saving All My Love For You. Oh, of course. To the, the panel of, of all white judges, uh, Louis, <laughs> Simon, Danny, and Cheryl. Oh, Christ. <laughs> there is something so awkward. Like, that just would not happen now. You cannot yeah. have, like, you know, a uh, uh, black or mixed race artist, like, just singing to four white people for approval. Because that's exactly what it was. And also, at the end of the, you know, she did an amazing performance. Uh, Cheryl is styled like she's either going to a wedding or the races or both. <laughs> um, and at the end simon so they all love her i genuinely got goosebumps when i rewatched it earlier today and simon at the end of the edition says how rare is it for a young girl like you in this country to walk in and be able to sing like that <laughs> oh dear <laughs> Oof, that's a that's a tough that's a yeah Ooh, looking at that through a, a 2020 lens is uh it's tough real tough Pretty, pretty bad. Anyway, yeah. uh, she stormed past that. So she got into, um, you know, X Factor. She got into the the live shows in two thousand eight. You know, she was, you know, she was, she was doing it, but she didn't really make much of an impact until. <laughs> until... We... <laughs> 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 I know you're gonna say. <laughs> until week three of the live shows, big band week. A candy man, so. a candy man. Skip it a bit, ba ba, boo doo ba doo ba doo ba ba. Skip it a bit, well, well, well. So, like, you know, from the beginning of it, she was, um, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, you're very talented," but everyone was like, "We don't quite know who you are, what you're about, blah blah." And then she did. She performed "Candyman" by Christina Aguilera. Shout out to the uh, burlesque special. And um, she got a standing ovation. <laughs> it, do, you know, do you know what, though? I don't want to get too in the weeds about X Factor, but what I will say is that it was very smart because Big Band Week in X Factor was kind of like an institution, and it was always so dry. It was like some dry, like, boy band would always do, like, someone would always sing Mac the Knife, and it was just Big Band. It was always oh. just really, like, it was like watching old granddad, like, young people sing, like, old granddad, like, boring white music, like, just... It just was awful. It was always like Frank Sinatra and just like swing and all the things I despise. So to see like, to see someone young do like a fun song and it fitted with Big Band Week, but also it was like contemporary because it was a Christina doing like a throwback. It was just very smart all around. And it, it paved the way for my big band choice, which is the song One Thing by Amory. Everyone just think about how good that would sound with a big band playing it's just one. It just would be so good. I've I've got the whole performance down, and those who know me well have heard me drunkenly explain every single thing I would do during my big band performance of One Thing by Amory. And also, I'd really like that because it, you know when people find out that you're performing One Thing for Big Band Week, some people might be initially a bit outraged, like, "Well, that's not big band. That's not on theme. That's not right." But as soon as that big band starts, you're jingling those car keys in your hands. Just you wait. I've got the whole outfit planned and everything. But this was, so this was 2008. I feel like this was real peak prime X Factor. Yeah, you remember this watching is, this? This is was like this is this is the time where I was I, like me and my friends would we actually would we'd always do a like a oh, fuck what is it called? What's it called where you take where you place bets on people? What's it called? Oh, like a a a sweep a sweep no pool. Wait, what's it called? A pool. <laughs> wait what, what's the thing when it's like sports and you do it at work and stuff you all bet on it what's that name all stars i'm leaving grace all star i'm wait, leaving what? this i'm leaving all of this in you do it for sweepstakes. like sweepstakes no <laughs> sweet it is a sweepstake <laughs> totally well she you know she went on to win the show in the final she was up against jls and egon quig <laughs> egon <laughs> And um, she performed quite famously in the final with Beyonce. She performed Listen as a duet with Beyonce. Again, I watched it earlier and it is genuinely phenomenal. 
it, no, I was just going to say, it's it's one of the wildest things you will ever see, especially like if you're American and you're kind of just, you know, you never you never saw it before. To see Beyonce come out and sing Listen with someone on X Factor UK is just like, it, it, the star power is too much for like UK people to really handle, I think. <laughs> yeah. And also, it's just really, really good. Like, yeah. Alexander, considering she's 19 years old, and like she, she's just becoming a professional singer, and it's the start of her career. She holds her own. I mean, she does cry and like sniffle all the way through it. She gets through it, but then afterwards. Oh, and side note: Beyonce seems to be doing the, the, the same hairstyle as as Cheryl. It's sort of again like going to the races or going to a wedding, like really big <laughs> sort of set hair. And um, I don't know what was going on in two thousand eight. That was a thing, but but after the performance, which is. Yeah, basically, I, ITV, TLS probably exploded or wherever they filmed at Fountain Studios, I don't know, um, <laughs> went up in flames at the, at the last note. Um, Dermot, the host, then comes out and interviews them both. And Beyonce is, you know, so professional. She's like a regal queen standing there. And Alexandra's just like, Aah! and like snots going down her face and like crying. She, She's she, she, says, she says these words, you make my dreams come true. Uh. <laughs> and fair enough like even earlier today like 12 years later i got mega goosebumps and quite emotional watching it on youtube by myself never mind <laughs> performing it with beyonce on a stage so she won and then she released uh hallelujah like a cover of that leonard cohen song whatever boring we weren't interested however <laughs> a year later a uh, year later oh my she god she came back as as was the way back in the day next factor like the, the previous year's winner comes back and does like a big triumphant first single performance she came back a year later the music started those digital doors opened and there's just a silhouette of her in a gold spangly dress she leans her head back she grabs a mic and she goes whoa 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 bad boys bad boys and her debut oh. single her real debut single bad boys was unleashed also that song was very revolutionary for us because it started the the songs to swing your arms to movement bad boys bad <laughs> boys whoa, whoa, whoa. you know it's, it's a great song it it also is it was a really good that performance she does is amazing on x factor when she comes back and does it Particularly because, as we discussed, you know, you last saw her the year before in X Factor, being amazing with Beyonce, but but crying and sniffling everywhere. When she comes back and performs, she's got like a steely determination in her eyes. Like she's got, she's like, I've got this. And she does. That song was so good. <laughs> that she, was, she must have just been like, no one's going to have anything bad to say about this because this song is awesome. Featuring Flo Rida. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, on that first album, it's got, I mean, that first album is like the epitome of what, 2009 time. It's got uh, Flo Rida, Pitbull, Pitbull, Neo, some production by Stargate. It's all go. So she released Bad Boys. Her next single was Broken Heels. <laughs> <laughs> This is a weird, weird song. And it was produced by Red One. Red of One, course. I can do it for you. Or whatever she says at the beginning. Um, and she performed it. The video had like an American football theme. So they're all dressed like American football players. And then she went on the Royal Variety Show, which is a live stage show for the royal family where people come out. <laughs> on the stage people performing a stage for the royal family and the queen looks kind of like unimpressed <laughs> in like a box at theater and alexander burke came out in like full american football outfits with all these dancers and the stage was set up like an american football field <laughs> and she performed broken heels for the royal family i like to think of it as it was our version of a super bowl halftime show <laughs> Do you think that's the concept that they were going with? 100%. How do you feel about Broken Heels? I, I love this song. It's so weird. It's 
very strange kind of production and i like the kind of like <laughs> kind of element of it what about that noise that sounds like someone's like twanging something like that noise in the background so broken heels happened and then she released all night long which is a real personal favorite of mine so all night long has one of my favorite like music like a sound effect in it it kind of is you know like do you remember like a wobble board do you remember like when you would get a piece of stiff cardboard when you were younger and you wobble it and it was like was it called a wobble board it has that kind of like (laughs) yes yes it has that noise in the background and it's very like (laughs) i i get very obsessed with those small details of songs and like a weird noise in the background and i really hone in on that noise in all night long I also really loved the video. It was like a kind of really kind of dark, sexy, fun um, house party. Yes. And it had that classic thing uh, of, well, a, a, a Pitbull feature, but also Pitbull clearly, but they'd filmed their parts of the music video in completely different, probably continents. Oh, absolutely. Because just like appears like a TV screen at the party and that's it. She had, she had, I think she had like a ballad or something from that album as well, which I'm just going to ignore. Uh. There was one. Hang on. Let me speak. Let me speak. There was one other song. We thought we were all done with it, and then about a year later, this sort of like I don't know, like steel band influenced track sort of came into our lives. I remember it was a really hot. It was like one of those summers where it'd been quite a nice summer, but then September was boiling hot, and then this song came out, and it was "Start Without You," one of the weirdest songs ever released. I love this Fascinating song. Fascinating song. It's so good. And that got to number one. Yeah, it, deservedly so. Who, who's the feature on um, Start Without You? Featuring Laza Morgan. Oh. So that was, I mean, that was, I mean, what a, what a stonking first outing in terms of being a solo artist. She then came back and she had a song called Elephant in the Room. Which oh my God. quite famously, she, she said in it she went into like a writing camp in america and that's where she was doing stuff for her second album and she came back and she released this song elephant in the room and she claimed on uh like a breakfast morning show the elephant in the room was uh a phrase from america that no one in the uk knew so she thought she would bring it over in a song and introduce everyone in the uk to the phrase elephant in the room now <laughs> little did alexandra know we we knew that phrase already so yeah she 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 very appreciative for the song but we didn't need the lesson <laughs> i uh i i think i like to think that she was she was doing our job before we even thought of doing it translating american oh, <laughs> phrases for the uk <laughs> so so this song it kind of sounds like a song from a ministry of sound fitness compilation I actually really liked um I really liked it. the song was actually just simply called Elephant not Elephant in the Room by the way um oh, <laughs> much like how my heart will go on is not called Titanic um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah she then had a the song did okay and then she released a song called let it go which i loved yes her whole styling at this time was very post lady gaga it was like sort of lots of it was all she wore a lot of like dark colors but she had a lot of like structured shoulder pads and things yeah and the let it go video it was 2012 and part of the video was like on the london underground but then of course it was 2012 so we had to include a certain something in the music video. Do you know what that do you know what that twenty twelve thing was? Um a dubstep dance break. Oh, oh my god, of course. The song it didn't it didn't do that well, but you know, we enjoyed it. In twenty eleven she also did something else. 
she went back to the X Factor and she stood in for Kelly Rowland because remember Kelly Rowland sort of had like a cold for a couple of weeks. She, just she used to do the show. She famously called in sick. <laughs> like gonna... it was before Zoom. It was like before Zoom, but she kind of like skyped in. She was like, "Hi, <clears throat> can't be at the show. <clears throat> Bye." <laughs> um so uh a burke took her place and was on the the panel and a very famous moment happened where she was sort of you know she was really standing up for herself and standing up for one of the artists and just to punctuate and end something she said in the same way that like today someone might end something by saying period back then she ended it by saying okay.com <laughs> I could actually do the cadence perfectly because I tried to um I tried to include that clip in our opening titles. So I listened to it over okay. and over again and the cadence is okay.com. You better get the words correct. Okay.com. Okay. Okay. Oh whoa, <laughs> there's no question mark there. And then in 2017 she did strictly. Mm. And it was quite uh it was quite uh strictly dancing with the stars, as it's known in the US. Yeah. And it was quite a thing for her. She throughout was amazing she consistently got like tens across the board from the judges but she was also consistently in the bottom two because the public were not voting for her yeah so a whole thing happened at the time where some of the more left-leaning press started to wonder if it was uh, down to racism whether the the british public weren't up for sort of supporting um a black female contestant on the show because she was amazing but they just weren't supporting her what well, do, do you know what it was there was a lot of like unspoken things there was a lot of unspokenness in the way that people the, the viewers criticized her at the time they would say like oh she's just like unlikable or she's overconfident a lot of them said or they said she was like over dramatic and a lot of that i think even at the time but even now especially kind of viewing it through just everyone trying to be a little bit more kind of aware of why they're saying something as opposed to just, you know, the, the deep down reasons why they're saying something, even if it's unconscious. I feel like a lot of that did play into it, which is what people were picking up on when they were saying it was racism. Cause it's like, you know, those people would then say, no, I'm not saying I don't like her because of, because, because of her race. I'm saying I don't like her because she's unlikable, but it's like, that's a lot, a lot of, that's what a lot of people are kind of getting to grips with now is the unconscious bias of why they say something about certain, certain people. So I do think, yeah, that does, actually play into into what a lot of people were saying at the time she ended up coming second so she you know she did fine so we need to work out what is the u.s equivalent of alexander burke i've got a few thoughts i'm going to throw them out there i'm going to say some names okay let's see which ones stick okay christina millian okay fantasia <laughs> uh-huh jennifer hudson yep jennifer hudson is possibly the best comparison and again, it's that thing of we always talk about where it's like the US version is always kind of more extreme in the sense of like Jennifer Hudson's fame is is a lot more extreme and, and she's way more famous than, you know, has won an Oscar. But I just feel like for the kind of UK version of if we were trying to think of the UK version of Jennifer Hudson, I would I would suggest a book for that for that same reason where it's like she's like a scaled down J-Hud of talent show fame but actually has like parlayed it into kind of this acting musical role, which is like very successful, you know, in their own right. So yeah, I actually, I think Jennifer Hudson is the most, is the, is the most astute one out of that list for sure. So the US equivalent of Alexander Burke is Jennifer Hudson. You're welcome. Welcome. And we are back. Okay, I've done my UK topic. It's now time for our US topic. So it's June, it's Pride Month, so I thought I would pick my topic kind of accordingly to go with that. So we are going to be discussing the West Hollywood uh, institution, gay bar, The Abbey. Ooh, The Abbey. What have you done today to make you feel proud? <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for that. As our friend George calls the Abbey, it's the Olive Garden of gay bars, is what he calls it. That's what we're going to be discussing today. So just to give you a bit of backstory about the Abbey. So just for any UK listeners, the Abbey is a gay bar in West Hollywood, which is kind of, I'd say, the most famous gay bar in all of West Hollywood, which is the, the gay area of LA. It was opened actually in 1991. This guy called David Cooley uh, opened the Abbey in 1991. So this was before WeHo had its kind of the the gay bar scene that it has now. So he said that he opened it as like a coffee shop because there was no coffee shops around in that area. And he wanted to have like a kind of like a gay hangout spot that was like, 
I think he says in the interview that all of from from his perspective, all of the kind of gay places that he knew were all like hidden and in like dark alleyways and kind of like, you know, back room kind of places. So he wanted to do this like outside patio coffee bar, like coffee shop where gay people could go and like meet each other. So uh, it wasn't in, it wasn't in the same place that it is at the moment. So he opened that in 1991 and then according to his, this is all according to him, he didn't have enough money for signage. So he picked the Abbey because it didn't have many letters in it. And also he had access to some stained glass windows. So he decided to do it in the style of a church. That's so cute. Isn't that nice? And yeah, he basically said um, he wanted it to be like the antidote to kind of like bars with tinted windows and places where gay people had to feel like they had to hide, which I thought was, I thought that was really cool. I mean, I got some of this information from a, an article with an interview with him. So I don't know if some of it's a little bit like PR bias, but I do, I did like the kind of idea of that. So, so then I think it's about around 94, 95, 96. I'm not sure of the exact, uh, exact year. He moved the Abbey over to its kind of current location, which is, you know, still there right now. And, um, that's when they got like a beer and liquor license and it turned into an actual bar and they had kind of multiple rooms. So that's when it became kind of way more the Abbey as we know it. Uh, just a little bit more of history, which made me laugh, was in 2007, he sold the Abbey to that nightclub conglomerate SBE. Am I right in thinking SBE, were they also associated with Bolt, Brent Bolthouse in the hills? I, I feel like they I feel like they were because it was like I feel like Bolthouse Productions was, was, was part of the SBE like under that umbrella. So that just really made me laugh that that was, uh, I thought in 2007, how, how apt to be part of the, uh, the Brent Bolthouse SBE brand. Well, and, and then a lot of the, the complaints and pushback from that came because the people who loved the Abbey said that it became too, when it was under SBE, it became too kind of Hollywood, like all the other Hollywood clubs. They had, you know, really intense security guards and bottle service and very kind of like Vegasy vibe. So in 2015, he bought back the Abbey from SBE. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. Like, I, I just, you know, my experience with it is kind of so just from all my visits over the years of us going there, like, and I barely go there since I've moved here, that I, I didn't know any of that kind of history. So I would say, like, the Abbey is known for a few things. It's known for having that kind of outdoor kind of patio, patio area, which is kind of a big thing. It's known for, you know, always having go-go dancers <laughs> and they have male and female go-go dancers. And it's basically known for, I would say these days for being the first place people would go if they're like, hey, I want to go out in WeHo and I want to go to all the gay bars. Their first stop is always at the Abbey, which is kind of part of the, part oh. of like the criticism of the Abbey now, I think is that it has become that place where it's kind of like WeHo has changed so much over the years that it's become like the kind of a very like sanitized version of what it was, I think, when it originally, originally kind of started. Not that I have any experience of that not being from here, but that's the kind of the idea that I get behind it. So what's your kind of uh, history with the Abbey? When did you first go there? I first went there, I think maybe with you on our tremendous 2012 oh, yeah. trip. Uh, I think I remember it. So we were staying down in Venice and we drove up with podcast nemesis, Michael. We drove from Venice to uh, West Hollywood in Christine's BMW <laughs> and we with the roof down with the hood down and we parked and we went and we had a night out at the abbey and it was per michael because actually he wouldn't he wasn't drinking because he oh, was yeah. driving so i remember we had a night out but i don't think it was like a major night out it wasn't big because that's always been my my issue with the abbey other than anything else there's no specific dance floor so it, it, the whole it's so big and cavernous but it's just lots of like hallways yeah. and seating areas there's nowhere like there's nowhere that's just like a giant place just to dance. Maybe the chapel is that now because I haven't been to the chapel, but that was always my issue. So it's not as if I would ever get really, I would go there and ever get really raucous because I, I need a dance. Floor yeah. That, <laughs> um, but that was my first experience with the Abbey. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, mine too. That was the first time I ever went there. And then I, I've been back like a few times. My most recent experience was... Um, I think this really sums up why a lot of people don't like the Abbey who used to like it from my recent experience was that I went for them turning on the Christmas lights at the Abbey and it was, I went with Jamie and it was um, two people from Vanderpump Rules turned on the Christmas lights at the Abbey. <laughs> so me and him were like, we need to go and like spy on the people from Vanderpump Rules, obviously. And yeah, it was just very jarring. It was like, 
because it was like winter time, so it was kind of cold, and we were standing out like by outside under heaters, and then but there was also go-go dancers like dancing in the cold <laughs> while they turned on Christmas lights. <laughs> were the lights good? Yeah, they had a really nice Christmas tree, actually. They, it was them turning on the lights of the Christmas tree, basically. My thing about the Abbey is it's kind of confusing in the sense of like what its vibe actually is, which I think is your, what you were kind of saying about it as well. So it's kind of, they have these seated areas where it's like you could sit down and have dinner, but then also they have go-go dancers and also, you know, they have like drag performances and other other kind of stuff. And also it's very focused on like people getting really drunk, but also very like heavily security wise like people not getting i don't know it's it's a confusing place confusing place where you're not quite sure you can't quite put your finger on what they're trying to what they're trying to achieve there also again no idea if this is true or not but in my head for a while there was the fact that i think the abbey was the most ubered to location <laughs> in the world <laughs> where the fuck did you get that from that is so funny I don't know, but it's stuck in my head. And I just Googled it and I can't find it, but it was stuck in my head. Maybe not anymore, but that was a thing. I still think that we could, we'd have to really make an effort, but we could go have like a Sunday fun day there or go for, have like a really wild evening there. But we'd have to like actively be like, we're going to do this and it's going to be a thing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that you have to take into account that we are way past the age where we would be going out in WeHo anyway. So yeah, I think the Abbey's kind of become like a very, it's definitely like a very mixed crowd when you go there. Like it is a gay bar, but actually you you get a lot of bachelorette parties and a lot of kind of, I guess because WeHo's since since Lisa Vanderpump kind of took over and became the, per- the person who has the most kind of bars, you know, the, the biggest like presence in WeHo. I think that a lot of people find that the people who go and try and do like the Lisa Vanderpump bar crawl will always go to the Abbey as well because it's in between it's literally next door to Pump and just down the street from Sir. So I think that I was actually looking on, I looked on TripAdvisor to try and find people talking about it. And someone was complaining about it on TripAdvisor saying, I, I think this does kind of sum it up a little bit. I think they may be being a little bit too uh, judgmental, but they say, um, so he says, I used to live five blocks away from the Abbey. I was a frequent, I was a frequent patron from 2008 to 2013. I went back recently. It was clear it become nothing more than a pit stop on the TMZ Hollywood bus tour. It is now all 23 year old tourists uh, hoping to get a snap of uh, someone from reality TV and crowds of annoying bachelorette parties and girls' night out crowds vomiting in the bathroom after too many vodka cranberries. <laughs> that made me laugh. Vodka yeah, cranberries. So- what a, oh my god i bet they're so strong i bet they're like 16 dollars but i also bet well, you say so that see strong. one of my only distinct memories of when we first went in 2012 is that we had we were drinking vodka lime and sodas and i remember at the time being like having a sip of it and being like i can't drink this and i had to ask him i had to every time we got a drink i had to ask him to which actually is such a sign of my age now i would say can i have a light pour of the vodka at the time i was saying can you just i kept sipping it and then asking him to put more soda in the top of it so i wasn't asking him to make it weaker i just wanted more and more soda (laughs) i remember i was at a club in that kind of area once but it was more like more of like a high-end club and i can't i can't don't know what it was but they had a whole night on. Anyway, I was there and I ordered a gin and tonic and I got it and it was so strong. And I was like, excuse me, if you've got like a, a bigger glass, or um, I could put this thing. I, I just can't drink this. So can I have some more tonic? And they were just like, no, that was it. <laughs> I love that. Simply, no. You've served me a drink that I cannot drink and you're not going to change it. No. Okay, thanks. Isn't it? Isn't it funny because especially when you're when you're from the UK and you have a very specific viewpoint in your head of what you think LA is or like what kind of people who live in LA are like. And I think there's this kind of thing where it's like, oh, you know, no one really drinks or smokes or does anything. You know, everyone's very healthy. Everyone's very this. And then it is this strange kind of like dichotomy where you you go to a bar they serve the strongest drinks that will like knock you off of your feet and kill you. But then also, you know, they close very early and actually they are very kind of, um, they're very vigilant about people being too drunk in places. And, and, you know, not like back in the UK where you can, you know, it's, it's quite hard to get thrown out of somewhere for being too drunk, you know, cause they, they, they'd have to throw a whole like nightclub of people out. Whereas, yeah, it's this strange balance, isn't it? Where it's like, drink so strong that you're dead but also like a very kind of puritanical thing where it's like oh no no we're closing now you the the night is over (laughs) there was a there was an ill-fated attempt to add the abbey into the kind of you know pump and you know 
Tom Tom Vanderpump World, which is they had their own reality show in 2017. It was called What Happens at the Abbey, and it was I th- it was a, an E show, and it was meant to be kind of like exactly like um, Vanderpump Rules in the sense that it's like we follow the sexy people that work at at um, at the Abbey, but. I, I did watch, I watched it, like, I think I watched the first episode and I just was really annoyed when I watched it because much like with a lot of those gay bars in West Hollywood, so many of the people that worked there were straight that it was so similar to Vanderpump Rules in the sense that it was like, well, if I was going to watch a show about the Abbey, I was like, I need it to be way more like queer focused, but it was still kind of this, you know, these like overprivileged like white douchebags straight douchebags that just work at a gay bar and i think you know like you just there was already there was one scene i'm sure in the opening episode of some like stupid weho guy with like abs just being like hey you know i get loads of tips from the gay guys and i was just like i'm not doing this we're not doing this no and actually that show did not did not have much success <laughs> yeah came and went so i was trying to you know come up with something something fun to do with the kind of the abby's menu and i <laughs> I accidentally, I accidentally I googled the Abbey drinks menu and then it took me to somewhere that I wanted to talk to you about which is oh. a little bar called the Abbey Whiskey Bar in Edinburgh. Have you ever been there? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. Just because it's in Scotland. Uh, number 65 South Clark Street, Edinburgh, Scotland, the Abbey. It's uh <laughs> they have over 200 whiskies on on sale and um you you're telling me you've never been there? Never. I've never it's weirdly Oh no! Wait a minute! No, that's my bar. That's actually my own bar. Yeah. No, I've never been there. Also, you know, I cannot handle whiskey. One smell of whiskey destroys me. I, it doesn't <laughs> I, I just want you to tell me what's uh, what you think. If you could name, um, if you could give me the ingredients of what is included in the Scottish breakfast, I'll tell you first of all. It uh, we have eggs any style. Now, see if you can name the rest of the ingredients. Um, potato scone. Yes. Either black pudding or haggis. Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, baked, baked beans. Yep. Tomato translation. To, wait, wait. I've forgotten which is American, which is British. Tomato, tomato. aka t- tomato. Yeah. Yes. And also sausage bacon, but also white pudding. You get black pudding, white pudding, and haggis on your Scottish breakfast at the Abbey. Wait, that is rich. So just kind of going back to back to the Abbey, uh, you know, I, I tried to look for some fun reviews. What I really saw is that there does seem to be people saying almost exclusively that you will have your phone stolen at the Abbey. <laughs> Literally, I went into one star reviews on, on Yelp and it was post after post after post of people saying their phone had been stolen. So I'm guessing oh. piece of advice to anyone is do not take your phone to the Abbey because it will get stolen. Literally, this guy, one guy, one guy was like, Sorry. it got stolen out of his pocket while he was on the dance floor. Would you remember? Well, there's no dance floor, that's for sure. But hey, do you not remember there was that club we used to go to in London? It was called, I think it was called The End, then they changed it to The Den. And we all got our credit cards and money stolen from there. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do, actually. I've also just realized that The Den and The End are the same. It's like an anagram of the same word. Yeah. (laughs) And it's taken me all this time to realize that. Oh my God, The Den and The End. I, my one true memory of that which really gives it a timestamp, is i remember me and michael on the dance floor in in the den and they played whip my hair by willow smith and i remember me and michael very very seriously turning to each other and saying like i remember we were like so serious we were like i'm so glad they played this song it's a really good song (laughs) so it's like me and michael dancing to whip my hair by willow smith (laughs) Uh, the, the, the den and the end just i just I think if one song could sum up for me, it would be Janet Jackson feedback. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. You're so right. They would play that without fail every single time, wouldn't they? Yeah. So I obviously was trying to think of the UK equivalent of the Abbey. And I've got kind of a generalization, which actually leads me to my answer. So I think that every, every town in the UK, a lot of, a lot of towns in the UK has the kind of hometown gay bar which is like especially like where i'm from in norwich it just had one gay club and you know most people i know that they either grew up with no gay club or one that just everyone who's gay that lives in you know not just that city but miles around it goes to so to me the abbey has the same vibe as like every it's like a 
the pumped up American version of every hometown's gay bar. Do you, does that make sense? Like every hometown's gay club. It's like just yeah. just the cheesiest, most obvious version of of what everyone's expecting it to be, but in a way that is actually like weirdly comforting. And I feel like I was just trying to think of the London equivalent because I feel like that's our most kind of our biggest point of reference. And for me, it reminds me in that way of the two brewers in Clapham. Mm. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I yeah, love the two brewers. It, like my my yearly trip there, always have fun. I'd always have fun. Yeah, because do you know do you know what it is? My initial thought just straight away was like, oh, gay bar on in um in Soho, or you know like. Or like Cuba or one of those places in Soho was like my initial thoughts. I was like, oh, it's very touristy. It's where, you know, it's the heart of like the old school kind of gay scene in London. But then I was like, do you know what though? Places like GAY Bar, they don't have that same, <laughs> they don't have that same like complete trash bag energy that the uh, the two brewers had, which was just like, everyone in here is wasted. You know, they would, it was always huge amounts of like, you know, hen parties, bachelorette parties, and groups of like straight women trying to get into the two brewers because it was so fun, much like at the Abbey. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, much like the Abbey, even though it was huge, no real place to dance. Two brewers, you know, no, the dance floor was literally just where you were trying to walk through to get to the next thing. It just had that same, to me, it has that same kind of quality, but maybe, maybe, you know, the two brewers has a little more heart than um, the Abbey. The Abbey is a little bit more kind of, a little bit more corporate and cold, but I do think that they've got kind of the same the same vibe i hear you like the, the two brewers has is like a scene and it has a real draw and pull and it's always busy and it's like a thing um i would say like the scottish equivalent is the polo lounge in glasgow it's like the and in fact the polo lounge is a little more a little more upmarket than uh two brewers so it's maybe slightly closer to to the abbey in the way that like some people are like oh the abbey's quite it's quite posh yeah, it's quite that's like a nice bar <laughs> like some people might right. say it's not but you could you could get like a fancy cocktail i'm using that term very loosely whereas you would never get that in two brewers in Poland, <laughs> no, if you wanted you could order a fancy cocktail and get it in like a fancy cocktail glass um but you know i, I hear you it's like it's like the 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 mainstay big um gay bar in a in a town or city so the uk equivalent of the abbey is everybody's gay bar in their hometown or the two brewers and clapham you're welcome you're welcome okay and we're back as ever we finish each episode by playing a game of welcome not welcome where we mention very british or very american things and we say whether they're welcome or not i.e whether we like them or not so fraser you're up first welcome or not welcome i said welcome or not welcome sports day remember sports day oh at school oh at school <laughs> sports day that i got so nervous same with the swimming gala I got so <laughs> nervous about sports. How would you day. describe what was sports day? That's basically it was a day where you just would at school where you would all compete in different like track and field sports, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very stressful sports, and, and you and at my school you had to take part in at least one, and it was very. If you were like a slightly unfit, like chubby gay, it was so mortifying. Whereas yeah. now, if I was fucking doing sports day, I would try and like destroy everyone else. Yeah, I remember doing cross country because I felt like I could like you could just lag at the back of cross country and, and no one really looked at you. I think that's what I did for sports day. <laughs> oh no, actually, I, I tell a lie. I also used to be really good at the hundred meter sprint. So sports day, welcome or not welcome? I'll say welcome. I'm going to say not welcome just to balance it out. Um, by the way, did you ever do the beat test at school? <laughs> yes, someone. <laughs> yes, and someone I went to school with. <laughs> he he <laughs> like. We, whenever when you got eliminated from the the bleep test not the beep test well, i guess it's the same noise isn't it when you got eliminated you had to go and sit at the side of the sports hall and then this one guy was doing really well so he was kind of the only one still running but he he got an erection so he was just running with an erection during the bleep test so yeah that was just to explain to our listeners the bleep test was when it, you had to like run between like a certain distance before the the bleep would happen but the bleeps would get faster yes. and faster as you progressed at levels. Yes. I remember I made a pact with a friend that we would drop out after like level four, which was really easy. And we dropped out <laughs> and, the, and our gym teacher was furious. I was like, whatever. <laughs> anyway, bleep test, definitely not welcome. <laughs> welcome for him. Well, welcome or not welcome. The phrase smellies. 
<laughs> I love that phrase. It's very welcome. Smellies is what you would buy if, if you're buying your mum like a gift for Mother's Day. It would be like, well, get some smellies. And it's like a little gift, a little gift basket <laughs> that has soaps and lotions from like boots. <laughs> or laughs and smellies from boots. Get some nice smellies. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? She's oh. easy. She always just wants, she loves some nice smellies. Or like if those... they're from Lush, they should be called uh, stinkies, not smellies, because Lush is so overwhelming. <laughs> the epitome of a smelly back in the day would be like those round, like those those little balls that you would like drop. Do you remember those? They were kind of like squidgy little like balls. Yes, it was like, like a, a gooey kind of like soapy. It was a, um, it was a bath pearl is what it was. That's pearl. what you're referring to. The epitome of a smelly. <laughs> Very welcome. Um, welcome or not welcome, Mexican Coke. Have you ever had a Mexican Coke? Of course they have. Uh, yeah, welcome. I find it very confusing because basically oh. it's just what Coke is in the UK, isn't it? No. Huh? It's very specifically, it's, it's very specific. So I learned this on a podcast. Basically, okay. Coca-Cola has a, so Coke, Coca-Cola is not the same in every country that you go to. Every country has its own like a coca-cola processing system which has like varying levels of sugar so it tastes different in each country you go to which is why people love mexican coke because it has a different maybe more sugar in it than it does in the u.s like coca-cola bottling factory or plant so people go to yeah people will seek out mexican coke because it's sweeter and has like a different flavor than american coca-cola and uk coke and, and yeah. also i know that in the, like in the UK, they don't have high fructose corn syrup in Coke, whereas oh, they do in the delicious. US. So there's a difference. Anyway, I'm saying it's welcome. Also, love that oh. very long, slender glass bottle it comes in. Me too. It feels very elegant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome or not welcome. The phrase jingle, as in, oh yeah, I'll do that in a jingle. I have never heard that in my entire life. That's got to be a Scottish thing. No, I think it's say American. in a Scottish accent. I'll do it in a Scottish accent. Oh. oh yeah, I'll do, I'll do that in a jingle. Yeah, I'll be there in a jingle. <laughs> no, I think it's an American thing. Someone said, oh, someone really? said, I was like, what does that mean? No, it's, I was, it's, I didn't, I still don't even know, fully know what it means. Well, I guess if you were to directly translate it, would it be jiffy in a jiffy? That's <laughs> a jingle, right? A jingle and a jiffy. Yeah. Jingle and a jiffy. <laughs> oh, we're uniting the cultures. Okay, I'm going to say. I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to say welcome. It also reminds me of, you know, your big band number, your car keys jingling in your hand. So, you know, I'm into that. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll say welcome as well, because also another song which includes jingle or jangle is Call My Name by Charlotte Church. That's a jangle of keys, not a jingle of keys, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to her one day. We sure will. <laughs> Just you wait. Just you wait, everyone, until we talk about Charlotte Church. Um, my last welcome or not welcome, Cider. Now, when I say that, I say specifically UK cider. Welcome or not Do you welcome. You know what? UK cider reminds me of you so much. It's like, <laughs> like that is us. Like, we've just met. We're in London. We don't have any money. You would sink a cider. I tell you what, you would love a cider. I know. I know. I don't know what made me think of it. It, it was a similar, a similar thought. I think maybe it was all that talk about Alexandra Burke. It's very synonymous with the time that I would drink cider to get drunk. And it just, yeah, it, I think it brought it all back. And I was like, oh my God, I have not drunk a cider in so long. And I, I think I would love it. But you know, you know, I always favored, there was all those like fancy ciders that came out that were meant to be like the trendy ciders that cool people drunk, like, you know, a, a Magnus. <laughs> but I would always favor the cheapest. I would always, a Bulmers. Ugh. I would favor the cheap chemical taste of a Strongbow cider. <laughs> do, you remember, do, you remember, do you remember a super strong Strongbow? Oh, yeah, no, that was too much even for me back in my like true piss head days in London. I couldn't drink a super strong one. Piss head, what a phrase. Piss head. <laughs> Okay, I was. Do you, do, you, do you not think that phrase summed up me in my 20s, though? Like, if you had to say how, what my drinking style was, I was a pisshead. I was a total right? pisshead. Oh, Fraz. Fraz the pisshead. Exactly. I was, though. I was a pisshead. I'm going to say cider is <laughs> not welcome. How dare you besmirch the memory of me in my 20s? It was welcome. But, it was welcome then, you, and it's not welcome anymore. But you in your 20s, and get, I'm meeting you in our 20s, very welcome. Right, that has been our episode oh. of. Oof, you're welcome, America. You're very, very welcome. 
Um, <laughs> do follow us on Spotify, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, leave us some feedback, feedback on Instagram. Uh, yeah, just get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, you know, <laughs> I was about to say, I'll speak to you soon. That's just me ending <laughs> the call to you. <laughs> I was wondering, so we can just use the, the phrase, we can use the non, the non-specific phrase that my dad always says to me at the end of a call. Right, speak to you anon. I'll see you anon. <laughs> You're so far off your mouth, I can get to smell your own shit. Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you are. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour.